but we've never actually done the series on a Sunday morning, and we're going to do that through this summer. We've been, we've, we've been excited to do this. We're kind of freshing, freshening up all of the, the lessons. The Pursuit is our 12-week discipleship track that we want every Alpiner to go through. So whether, whether you've, you're a longtime Christian, whether you're brand new to this just this morning at the Leighton campus, I, I met a guy who said, I'm just here checking things out. I'm just checking things out. I said, there could not have been a better time for you to be here. Because, you know, he's, he literally asked me, what are you about? What, are, what is your church about? And I said, well, you're going to learn. You're going to learn over this, these next, ele- it's actually 11 weeks. We're going we're gonna to leave one of the lessons at the end of the series we're going to do on a Saturday in a training s- session. So make sure to be checking, or keeping your calendar open I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but it's going to be in August. We'll give you more details on that as we, as we go through these next 12 weeks. Um, when my wife, Tracy, and I, we have two kids. They're, today they are 21, 21-year-old daughter, 19-year-old son. And years ago, we felt this, this incredible need to clarify what Christianity is to our kids. Because how many of you know this world is crazy right now, and it's just getting crazier? So the, it's so important for all of us to have clarity on what it is that we believe and why we believe it. And I'm kind of a, I was a math teacher, so I'm kind of a, I just, I'm really passionate about simplifying and clarifying and framing stuff out. And so for years we, we were working on this series that we now call The Pursuit. And it's basically, basically the 12, if there are 12 lessons that I could bring you through to help you to understand the essentials of Christianity and the vision that Jesus has for your life. These are the 12 lessons. And so we're starting today, we're gonna spend the first few weeks just sort of in introductory lessons about God and who he is and why the Bible matters and things like that. And then you'll, you'll see in just a minute how the rest of the series is gonna be laid out. But I'm actually gonna bring my 19-year-old son through this series. I'm discipling him and a couple of his buddies right now. Every Tuesday night, we get on a video call together they're spread out, they're all three spread out around the country, but we get on a call, we use Pursue God topics every week together, and for the summer, I'm going to be bringing them through this. Now, my son's already been through this, but it's important for him to see it again, and more importantly, it's important for his two friends who have never been through it to understand these essentials. And so I just want to encourage you, especially for those of you dads or moms in here, if you've got kids in here, I would say seven, eight, and older, this is something that I would encourage you to bring, just like we're going through this as a church family, I would encourage you to bring your kids through this. What that means is you can go to pursuegod.org slash go, and you can find podcast, small group video, discussion questions, all the talking points you're going to see today and all throughout the summer. All of that is organized for you at pursuegod.org slash go. All 12 lessons are right there for you. And I encourage you to use those resources to have this conversation with your kids. Now, now, you know your kids. If you feel like they can handle it, I said seven or eight. Maybe your kids, maybe a six-year-old can handle it. Do it. Go through this together. And uh, a parent's job is to disciple their kids. If you're a Christian parent, it's your job to disciple your kids. Uh, it's not my job to disciple your kids. It's my job to disciple my kids. And, I'm, and I've done that, and I'm, I'm doing it, and, and that's what the pursuit is all about. It's not just about families. I've been talking to families for a second, but it's, it's for all of us, 
It's for all of us. So it's a, it'd be a great refresher for everybody who's here. And, and I encourage you to just stick it out. I know this summertime, there's a lot of travel that goes on. But if you're away and you miss a lesson, you can, you can always get caught up. We, we, uh, we stream our services every week. So you can, you can catch up Sunday morning live uh, at 9.45. Or you can, just, uh, you can just watch it later and continue throughout this whole series. I encourage you to do it. So we're going to start with the pursuit. And I'm looking down here. I'm going to start with this question. I want you to ask yourself, where would you put yourself on this continuum? Far from God on the left, close to God on the right. Where would you place yourself? Just kind of in your own mind's eye, put a little X, I am here, right there, somewhere along there. I don't know where you'd put yourself. Some of you might say, I feel really close to God right now. I, you know, I'm, I, I love him. Things are great. I read my Bible every day. I come to church. I, I, I give. I serve. I serve in kids' church, which, I mean, how much closer to God can you be? than serving in kids' church. Or maybe you're like, I play harmonica in the worship team. Like, there's, there's not a whole lot closer to God that you can be than that. So some of you might say, I feel really close to God. Some of you might be here today saying, I feel pretty far away from God. I would put myself on the left side of that, down at the bottom. I don't, I'm mad at him, or he's mad at me, or I don't really know if he's even interested in me. If he knew what I've done, if he knew the choices I've made in my life, he wouldn't want a relationship with me. Maybe, maybe that's your idea. Maybe some of you have grown up in a church or you have, you've had a, a, a you know, family life that caused you to think a certain way about God. Maybe you think that God, God is just this mean, cosmic killjoy, uninterested in a relationship with you. So maybe you're here today and you say, I feel really far from God. And I, I, so I want to... I want to especially speak to those of you who feel like you're more on the left side of this. There's something for everyone in this series. But, but this first point is, is especially for people who feel far from God. We're just going to talk about three truths from the Bible for every pursuit of God. And here's the first truth. God is for you, not against you. No matter what you've heard, no matter how you feel, God is for you, not against you. He doesn't, he's not afraid of anything you've done. There's not some line that he won't cross for you. Like, well, he'll help this person and this person, but I'm over on this side of the line, and I don't think he's interested in helping me. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel like, you know, look around the room, and all these people can have a relationship with God, but certainly God doesn't want a relationship with me. I want you to know that that's not true. He's for you, not against you. I don't even know your story, but he does, and that's still true for you. In fact, Jesus didn't avoid the broken and the lost. He actively sought them out. I love this story in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 2. This really illustrates this point perfectly. It says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Okay, stop. we got to break this down for a second. First of all, you need to know something about leprosy. Leprosy was... Such a contagious disease that if you were a leper, you had to live in a leper colony with all the other lepers. You were a pariah, you were an outcast, and if someone wandered into your colony, or if, or if somehow you were out close enough to town where someone could come past you, you would have to call out to them by law, you'd have to call out unclean, unclean. You'd have to say, I'm unclean, don't, don't come any further because you didn't want them to get leprosy. It was so contagious. 
This reminds me a little bit of how we've been living for the last two years with COVID, right? I think we can probably relate to the leper. Maybe you feel like the le- maybe you got COVID or you coughed one time and everybody looked, oh, you know? I remember when COVID first broke out, Tracy, Tracy and I went to Costco to do some shopping and um, she had a hoodie on with it pulled taut and she, had, she was double masked and she wore, she wore gloves. <laughs> And she was like prancing around like a thief, like filling the filling the her, you know her her cart with with goodies. And I was walking behind her without anything on, just laughing at her and recording her, video recording her, as she did this. And we to this day we laugh at how how fearful. And some people that's how they responded. We didn't know what we were dealing with and how how fearful she was. And she didn't want to. She didn't want to be exposed by anyone else, and she didn't want to expose anybody else, but there's this, when we, if you remember that, when we felt that way, it just, it kind of ruined relationships, and, and you felt further from people. There was something we just were missing from our lives, right? Could you imagine having to live every day for decades like that? That's what a leper was. A leper had to live like that every single day for decades until he or she died. And so when this leper comes to Jesus, first, the first thing I want you to see is that he approached Jesus, which you're not supposed to do if you're a leper, but that shows how desperate he was. He approached Jesus, and he knelt before him so he recognized that, that he was dealing with someone more powerful than him, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I see two things there. Number one, he said, he, there's something that he knew for sure about God, and then there was something that he didn't know for sure about God. He knew that God was strong enough. He knew that God was powerful enough to heal him. He said, I know you can make me clean. I know you can heal me. He knew that. He'd heard the stories. What he wasn't sure about is if he was willing to. That's what he didn't know. He knew the power of God, but he didn't know the heart of God. For some people, it's easier to think that God is powerful than to think that he is good. You know he's powerful, you know he's strong. He created the universe. You just don't know if he loves you. You, don't, you just don't know if he cares about you. That's the, that's the thing that's hanging out there in the, in the air. Maybe you're even here today saying, I'm not really sure what he feels about me. I don't even know if he is interested in me. I don't even know if he would want a relationship with me. Well, this answers the question. Look at what it says. Jesus reached out and touched him. This man probably hadn't been touched by another human being in decades. And Jesus touched him. Jesus didn't have to touch him. If you remember the story, Jesus raised a dead man, he never had to touch the guy. He just called out, he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was raised from the dead and came out of the tomb. There were so many miracles where Jesus didn't have to physically touch because he spoke the world into the existence. So he, didn't, he certainly could have spoken healing over the leper, but he touched him because he wanted to prove a point. He touched him because he wanted him to know that what Jesus had was more contagious than what he had. The love of Jesus was more powerful than the leprosy that this man had. And so he touched him. And then he said, these powerful words, I love these words, I am willing that's his heart. He said, I'm willing. That's my heart toward you. Be healed. 
And of course, the leprosy disappeared. I wonder if this leper felt like there was this line and he was on this side of the line. He just wasn't sure if Jesus would cross over the line. And he did. He crossed over the line and that's how he feels toward you. He's not afraid of you. He's for you. He's not against you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter how you've lived your life, God wants a relationship with you. That's the God that we see in the Bible. Now that's true for everyone except for one kind of person. There's one kind of person that what I just said is not true for. And Jesus says it like this in Mark 2, verse 17. He says, I've, called, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The only person that Jesus cannot save is the self-righteous person, the person who thinks they have it all together. Now, he could save them, they just won't let him. So unless you're the person here today, and this is the great irony of faith, the great irony of faith is, is there are some cases where the person looking at that continuum we looked at earlier, some people would say, I'm way over here on the right, I'm so close to God. If you're saying that with a self-righteous attitude, then you are so far from God. You're further than you could ever imagine from God. And there are so many stories in Scripture that prove that. So as long as you recognize you're a sinner, as long as you know you're a sinner, Jesus can reach you, and he wants to, and he's seeking you out. Jesus was always seeking out the fishermen and the tax collectors and the lepers and the, the people who needed him, the people who were desperate for him. And he kind of left alone the people who felt like they were too good. That's how God is. That's his heart for you. Here's the second thing, the second truth. Jesus wants to give you life to the full. Those are his words. I'll show you where it comes from in just a second. A pursuit of God can change everything from your eternity to your every day. Pursuit of God changes your eternal destiny. We're gonna learn that in this series. But it also changes your everyday life and, and it changes your marriage and your work and your school life and your relationships and your finances. It changes everything. A relationship with God can change everything. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. I have come, or the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about Satan. Satan's desire is to steal and kill and destroy. And by the way, Satan is alive and well today, and he is moving out there, and he is doing just that. He is confusing people, he is lying to people, he is deceiving people, and he is, his whole goal is to take life from us. That's his goal. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, even though he's not gonna come and say that. He's, he's craftier than that. This is, this is the God of this world, lowercase g. This is Satan. He is stealing and killing and destroying and he is having fun doing it right now in this country and all over the world. And Jesus says this, but I have come that people might have life and have it to the full. He wants us to have full life. I love that phrase. He wants us to have full life. I can stand here today and say that I have full life. There are many people who are wealthier than I am, but I have full life. There, there are many people who are taller than I am, but I have full life. There are some people who have more hair than I have, but I have full life. And you can have life to the full. This is what Jesus wants to give you, and he's given it to me. And we have a picture for this, and, and it also serves as the framework for this series that we're gonna be going through all through the summer. And it's called this Full Circle Follower of Jesus. 
This is how we envision a Christian. This is how Jesus envisions a Christian. Three main things. If you were to ask my kids, hey, what, what does a Christian look like? This is what they would say. We've taught them this. This is one of the things that we felt like we need to make sure that our kids understood what Jesus wants from their lives because we're not gonna be around forever and we want them to live according to the vision that Jesus has for them. So young people, I want you to hear this as if you were my children. Parents, I want you to hear that. Everyone, I want you to hear this. Jesus wants you to experience full life, and that includes these three things. Number one, trusting Jesus for salvation. Number two, honoring God with your everyday life and your choices and your lifestyle. And then number three, getting in the game and making disciples. Let me give you, let me just break that down real quick. Trusting Jesus. Romans 3.22 says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. The truth of the Bible, we're going to talk about this more in lessons four, five, and six this summer. The truth of the Bible is this. This is the most important truth you can ever understand, is you are saved by trusting in Jesus. You are not saved by your own works. There are some religions that teach that you're saved by a combination of what Jesus did on the cross and what you can do for yourself. That's not biblical. Here's what's biblical. You are saved, you are saved by Jesus plus nothing. We have a couple of shirts. People are wearing their shirts that, says, that say Jesus plus nothing. Tracy and I went on a walk this, this week. In our, we go on walks a lot in our neighborhood along the river, river walk. And, and she was wearing Jesus plus nothing. And I was wearing Sinner's Welcome. And we, did, we realized this about halfway through the walk as all of our neighbors are like looking at our chests as we walk by them. And Tracy kind of smiled and she said, we're kind of walking billboards right now. <laughs> so I stopped cussing at her. Um, just kidding. That's just a joke. Just, just so you know. But even if I was, I'm saved by trusting Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus plus nothing. This is what the Bible teaches us. That's why this verse says we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, period. It doesn't say semicolon or dash, period. There's nothing more you can do. When, you, when you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved, period. Jesus did all the work on the cross, thank God, and we come to faith, when we come to faith, then salvation is ours instantly, okay? That's the first thing. Again, we're gonna talk about that in weeks four, five, and six. But then something happens, and that's what the next arrow is about. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And that new life is described by those next two words, is now we honor God. So salvation happens in an instant, but honoring God happens over time. Over time, that new life that you have, we call this inside out living, this new life, God changes you on the inside, but how many of you know sometimes it takes a while to get out of us? It takes a while to come out of us. And so God, over time, he just changes our desires. We change our habits. We, we, learn, we, we learn spiritual disciplines in our lives. And uh, the, the imagery that Jesus gives for this is the vine and the branches. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. As long as you stay connected to me, you'll bear fruit. So I love that that's the picture. A lot of religions, the picture is a checklist. Like, okay, you gotta do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. I'm kind of a checklist guy, I'm not gonna lie to you. But that's not the picture. The picture is more life-giving. It's a vine, 
and branches. As long as we stay connected to Jesus, we've trusted him for salvation, as long as we stay connected to him, the fruit that comes from him will eventually work its way out, but it takes a while. That's why I'm not a gardener. I'm not patient enough. Some of you are gardeners, and that's a great spiritual exercise, by the way, is water and planting and watering and nurturing and loving and talking kindly to your plants and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Like that is, I love that. I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. It's such a great picture of the spiritual life that we have in Christ. I just don't want to do it, so don't judge me. But I love the picture. And over time, fruit comes out. As long as you stay connected. That's that's what this is, is this new life now has begun, and over time it works itself out of us. This is what Jesus wants for us. So in lessons seven, eight, and nine of this series, we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are those things that we can do, like prayer and Bible study and those things. It's the kind of stuff that we can do to stay connected to the vine so that fruit will come out of us. So we're going to talk about spiritual, we'll talk about baptism and how baptism is a picture of this. And Leighton, today in the last, in the second service, we're going to be baptizing a 10-year-old, a father is going to be baptizing his 10-year-old daughter. It's going to be so sweet. I love that. He's going to, he's going to dunk her in the water and come up, she'll come up out of the water. And that's a picture of this process in us. It's a picture of the new life that we have in Christ that we die to our old self, our old life, and we come up, kind of like coming up out of the grave, we come up out of the water to our new life in Christ. And what is that new life about? It's about honoring God. It's not about doing what we want anymore. It's about honoring God and it changes everything for us. That's the second thing. The third thing is what most Christians miss out on. And it's the one that we're gonna finish the series with at the end of the summer and it's where you make disciples. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe, we, at Alpine Church, we believe most Christians miss out on this. Most Christians think that the Christian life boils down to those first two things, trust Jesus and honor God. And that's great. It's good to start with those two things. But if you don't do this third thing, if you don't, if you don't ever get in the game and make disciples, I believe you're missing out on something big time. I believe the people around you are missing out on something big time. In fact, the Bible says that you can't mature until you make disciples. Now that's different than what most people think. A lot of churches teach that you have to be mature before you can make disciples. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you can't be mature until you make disciples. And so uh, we talk about this, Mark, isn't this true? Every week in our staff meetings, we talk about making disciples. Our, Our mission as a church is to help people pursue God. So that means to make disciples. It's another way of saying that is to make disciples. The way we do that isn't just through sermons. The way we do that is through relationships, mentoring relationships, small groups, families, coming together, parents discipling their kids, small group leaders discipling their group, and individuals one-on-one discipling other people. We, we feel so strongly about this that in Mark's 
job description and in my job description, every job description at Alpine Church, the very first thing on the job description is this, help people at your campus to make disciples. So we'll talk about this at the end of the series, but this, we believe that's the full life that Jesus envisioned is, is that that means that we're all sort of on mission with Jesus, making, actively making disciples, helping people in our world to pursue God. I'm, I'm right now, I'm discipling several people, but one of them is my, my son and his two buddies. I'm discipling them, and AJ then is also, my son, 19 year old, years old, is also discipling people in his life. Because again, we wanted to make sure that our kids knew that this was part of the picture that Jesus wants for us as followers of Jesus. This is the full life he wants to give us. All right, one more thing. God wants to be found by you, and he has made the first move. The next step is up to you. Long before you ever even thought about pursuing God, he was already pursuing you. It's interesting, we call it the pursuit, and some people think that, some people think that that means it's all up to me to pursue God, but actually, it's not just all up to you. God was already pursuing you. God wants a relationship with you. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. You wouldn't be listening to the you know, to this podcast, or you wouldn't be watching this online if that wasn't true. God's already been pursuing you. And King David learned this. David wrote this in Psalm 139. Now, this might sound a little bit creepy if you're new to the Bible, but trust me, it's not that creepy, but I want to read it to you. He's, David says this to God. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, this is old King David writing this after living a long, full, crazy life. David is one of the guys in the Bible. I don't know that there's anyone that we know more about, any character in this Bible that we know more about than David. I mean, we met David when he was a boy, when he was an an overlooked son who was anointed king while he was still a shepherd boy, but he had to wait a long time before he got to be the king. David's the one who killed the lion and then killed Goliath. If you remember the story, little David and Goliath and the slingshot, that's David. But that's the most famous story about David. But actually, he had all kinds of other stories. Crazy life, crazy sin. He did some things that none of you have done. He did some really bad stuff. He did some really good stuff. He had a, he had a child die because of his sin. He had another child try to usurp his throne from him. He had his best friend killed. He had his, his, his wives. He's, he had issues with wives. He had more than one wife. I mean, how, wow, can't imagine that. I mean, he had a crazy, crazy life. David did. And David is the author of a lot of the Psalms, and, and, and you'll read it in, in Psalms. You can hear it in his tone. He's like, like one Psalm, he's like saying, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? And then the next psalm, he's like, Lord, you're the best. I love you. Life is great. I mean, he was like my son. AJ, AJ I think, is like a David. AJ, you ask him, hey, hey how's, he's living in D.C. right now. We're like, hey, how'd your day go? It's either a 10 or a 1. It's just one of those two. How'd your day go? Oh, it was awesome. It was a great day. I love this. How'd your day go? It was terrible. Like, he texts, he, he texts us, like, one-liners every once in a while. And yesterday, he texted, I hate myself. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, so Tracy calls and, it, you know, it's just because he forgot to cancel a subscription to something. You know, that's all it was. We're like, 
could you please not send those texts anymore to us, right? But this is David. David is like, I hate myself. And then he's like, I love myself, and God loves me. And He just was a 10 or a 1 or 10 or a 1, and some of you can relate to that. Some of you are more like my daughter who's just a 5. How's your day? Good. How's your day? Good. She's always good. That's it. It's always a 5. She's always a 5. So here's our kids, just like this. I don't know who you relate to, but this, what we see in this, in this story is that David recognized later in his life, David recognized, he was like, you were there all along. You were there in the highs and in the lows. You were there all along. This is what David recognized, that, that God was always there, that before David even thought about pursuing God, God was already pursuing David. And that's true for all of us. He's here. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to be pursued by us. And he's already pursuing us. And so I want to finish with just one more verse. And this is kind of a theme verse. We have this on the pillar at our Riverdale, our very first campus at Alpine Church. This is the verse right on the pillar there. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is a promise that God made to the people of Israel in Jeremiah's day. But I believe it's a promise that still holds true for every single one of us. God is not playing hide and seek. He's not, he's not cruel like that. He wants to be found by you. You know, maybe you view church as like this intimidating thing or, or you, view, you view the Bible as this really complicated book or you, or you think about God as just so complex and hard to understand. But I, just, I think it's important for us to simplify it and recognize that, that God really wants to be found by us. He's been pursuing us all along, and he wants us to pursue him. And that's what this verse is saying. If you look for him wholeheartedly, which means you, you don't, you're not self-righteous, because like we saw already, then, then, he, then you can't find him. If you think you don't need him, then, then it's over. Your pursuit is over. If you think you're too good for him. If you think you're too bad for him, you're wrong. God wants a relationship with you. And he's, he's made himself known through his word. And so I want to just invite you to pursue God with your whole heart this summer. I, I hope you'd come. I hope you invite some friends. This is a great time, by the way, to in, invite some friends because we're going to be going over the essentials of Christianity. It's going to be good for all of us, even you longtime Christians, but it's really going to be good for people who are new to this. And God will reveal himself to you if you let him. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would Help us to take that to heart, Lord, to trust that this is true, that, that you want to be found by us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did the work already so that we could know you. God, I pray for the person in here today who feels so far from you. They feel unworthy. They feel kind of like that leper. They, they feel like they have to say unclean, unclean. You wouldn't want anything to do with me. And God, I pray that you would show them that you, that you will touch them God, you'll do the unthinkable and that their contagion won't spread to you but that your cleanliness will spread to them. Thank you that that's how powerful and good you are. And God, I pray that we would know that and experience that and God, that you would change our lives. I pray that, that you would give us life to the full. I pray that for every young person in this room. 
And I pray that for every father and mother and older person in this room, God, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us as you did to David. I pray that we would know that you're there and that we would experience you in your fullness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.